episode of Calfire Crackpots. Is it That's really great. been a year? Uh we recorded our first episode on August 28th, which is my birthday. Oh, I guess so. My online banking passwords now. Um it is the 29th today, so that makes 1 year. Wow. That's actually kind of crazy. Um it I, is yeah, crazy, huh? I I love this little side project podcast that's went on for this long. Hi, uh, it's Eris. Welcome to episode 34 or 35. I don't remember. I'll look at it when yep, I'm This is deck one. I believe it's 35, I want to say. Oh, dear. All right. That's a lot. Um, all right. So how are you? It's um, it, it's school season again, which kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, first year has been is it, not first year. First week has been very good to me. What about you? Yeah, um, it's it's you know it's it's everything coming back at once. My uh, absolutely insanely toxic um, linear algebra class. So, I th- I think I warned you about not going on like applying to college Reddit, right? Oh yeah, um, apply to Don't college do it Reddit. This year. Isn't, that, isn't it just like nothing is, but people the asking most... if they're good enough for University of Kansas and like and bragging then, and their then... four GPA? Yeah, it, it's it, it is probably the most like mentally abusive website you could possibly go on. Um, it's just everyone lying to each other and being toxic. Uh, anyway, my linear algebra class is basically that subreddit. It's it's everyone oh, like God. lying about their grades and SATs. It is awful. <laughs> what do we, I, hey, I won the senior. I won the senior the parking one ladder thing I hate though. More so. Than anything. I, d- I just loathe people who are like, oh, yeah, I got a five. I got an A plus in the class. And you know they didn't. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like that, that, that is the most infuriating. Horrible in physics. But I got that four. You did get that four. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to lie about, like, doing good in that class because I didn't. And I don't get anything from lying about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just like at this point I'm done with my college apps. Like I'm I definitely there's things I want to continue doing. There's things that I want to um be like on the ball with, like grades and some clubs, but like I have no incentive to play the whole stepping over each other game. Like come on, people. <laughs> just like get over yourself or over along the same you... place. Frankly, if you make a case for yourself, that's much better than flexing to everyone else. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the real smart kids are the ones who don't talk about themselves. Yeah. Or at least the ones who are secure that they're smart about that or secure about themselves that they're smart. Oh, <sighs> anyway, um news, it's been like a month. Um I'm going to have to go into like some uh Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire shit to explain all the news that's happened in the last month. Oof, yeah. You guys know what happened. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, the FBI like swatted Trump's house. That was oh, yeah, funny. that was definitely him, that's like, like so- thing sounding off on his freedom Twitter. Yeah, that that's a uh, 
I don't know. I don't think anything bad happened after we published the last one. But at least it wasn't I don't know. I'm looking at the news right now. Kind of a big headline today is a uh, study that's published that's basically um, we are locked in to 10 inches of sea level rise by the end of the century from just one from just Greenland. That's cool. So, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, we already knew it was going to be a few feet, but 10 of those will be from Greenland. Um, there was a shooting at a uh, Safeway. That's why I hate grocery stores. Um, yeah, a lot of grocery stores have been getting like. It's because it, it's like it, it's so indiscriminate at a grocery store. Like that's everyone. Everyone needs to go shopping. Or I know. Yeah. These poor people need to go shopping, which is who these people are after. Frankly, I think if oh my look. If you were going to throw your life away, you just choose a place with random people. I don't know. It just seems like the whole thing is dumb, but that's especially dumb. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Well, no, it looks like some uh, like 60s five-year-old guy like tackled the guy and only he died, which, you know, still sucks. Yeah. No, sorry. Two people. Ugh. Anyway. Um. So we're a dirtbag leftist podcast, and we do a lot of bad news. It's a lot of castigating people and rudeness. But today, um, well, I mean, like two weeks ago at this point, is a day for like actually good news because probably the most important piece of legislation um, in the last 50 or so years has passed. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act, which has pretty much nothing to do with inflation, so it's a pretty stupid name. Um, it um, is. It is. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It is the only piece of American environmental legislation revolving around global warming. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the Clean Air <laughs> Act a... skirted around carbon dioxide entirely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because in the seventies, like we were, like sulfur dioxide was such a big issue back then. That's that's what everyone was worried about, rightfully so. So that's because we still had coal to burn. Speaking of the Clean Air Act, let's talk about put on your apush caps because we're gonna take a look at the history of U.S. environmentalism. And I want to oh, start yeah. with the national park system. So it's apush time. So on March 1st, 1872, Congress established Yellowstone National Park as a public park or pleasuring ground, oh dear, for the benefit and enjoyment of the people. <laughs> um, so this was kind of, America was definitely in a fuck around state at this time. It was pretty much we weren't doing anything bad enough to actually harm anything because there like weren't that many people. The Industrial Revolution was still very much starting. Uh, but at this point, timberland was kind of becoming an issue. You know, you had these huge logging camps out west that would basically just make entire, like, square miles just go away. And if you look at logging back then versus logging now, definitely a lot of industry improvements. But the national park system kind of was started as a place to preserve prime hunting ground for the president and his friends. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Yeah, you know, um, I, I give the National Parks a lot of credit for being something oh, that gets the public involved and um, especially something that gets people engaged in the idea of saving nature. 
but when I was in a you know it's a very season history behind it. Yeah, so I was in Olympic National Park uh, last month. It was kind of mid uh, mid July, and the National Park Service was holding this like beach cleanup. So we went over there. We showed up kind of late, and it was about a mile long hike, and about a three hundred foot descent from the road to the uh, beach. And when we were going down, we saw people coming up with like bags and bags of trash. So we get down there, you know, walk the beach and go over to the pile where they collected the stuff. Well, all that was left was a five gallon barrel of engine coolant, which was still sealed somehow, a mini <laughs> fridge. And, you know, those giant tires that are in the uh, wrestling gym. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like one of those. Tires. Yeah, the, those uh, those uh, tractor tires. So it was one of those there, and I was like, okay. My dad and I were like, okay, no one else is gonna pick this up. So my dad took the engine coolant, which was probably harder to move because that thing was heavy. And then I took the tire, and it was basically like maybe two hours of like rolling this tire up a hill. I felt like Sisyphus. Yeah. And I I finally got to the trailhead, and I, this tire like would not fit in in our rental car, and we had like an SUV. And I was like, you know what? Someone else can take this. Like, <laughs> I got it up to the road. Someone else can get it from the road to a landfill. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, public engagement. I mean, if you go over to uh, Europe or, I guess, any other highly developed area, just for thousands of years, like people have been stepping on each other, conquering each other, going to war on each other. And it's pretty much once you go outside of the city, it's just farms and that's basically it for europe i'm sure yeah, i'm sure think, europe uh, looked go ahead i think that actually oh my god i lost it i literally lost what i was gonna say to that <sighs> sorry you go on i'll just go i'll just go on so yeah america like the very first efforts to beautify it or i guess preserve some type of natural scenery uh way before pollution was even considered to be an issue um was the national park system and america has definitely done an amazing job with that like you go to any national park now like it's beautiful um i love what happened with yellowstone um this past summer there was a lot of flooding there one of the most ecologically diverse and important areas in the western u.s will now be pretty much devoid of humans for the next five years so that's a big win <laughs> you love to see it honestly oh yeah that's amazing that was uh, um... yeah one of the biggest dilemmas at my work, by the way, for those not in the know, I was an intern this year at the Forest Preserves, was um, there's always an ongoing argument of whether we should even exist. Our, um, you know, all the sites of the Forest Preserves are on um, designated land, but ours was unique because it started as a, um, it started as a preserve that was untouchable for the public and only allowed to be visited by like a select group of ecologists and botanists because it's um it's the only canyon in cook county that canyon okay. has been the subject of so much debate that some people think that we should close down our area entirely because it's such an ecologically sensitive site so I, I've heard this argument go both ways. Um, I, there's definitely valid points to each side. And the thing that I always come back to is if you want the public to be behind environmental conservation and to appreciate the beauty of an untouched natural world, 
you need to let the public appreciate it somehow. You need to let them be able to visit it and kind of see something. There's something like primally satisfying about seeing such a uh, like a beautiful vista or something. I mean, obviously yeah. there's the principles of you know leave no trace and everything, but it's impossible to have public viewing in an area without it affecting the natural world. And I think that's it's kind of important to see. Like, yes, there does need to be just straight up untouched wildland like a lot of the national parks are but there do there does still need to be like public appreciation like you can't just say the environment's important source trust me bro it's got to be the people have to have some active interest in it i think that um i think that things like our um what we did with the canyon was we used to offer guided tours. Um, the staircases no longer become safe enough for us to, you know, have people down in it. But uh, I really wish we could, at the very least, just have people sort of near it. Although, frankly, no one can be trusted. Like if we had, if we had ten people a day walk along the canyon, the amount of soil that's there is so thin it would be worn out in about two weeks. Jesus. I just um I love the uh, idea of having people there, but I also think that it have to be um very 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 strictly guided. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, you see that stuff with like those green safaris in Africa, which I think are kind of a tease, but just kind of environmental tourism. It's you have stewardship to the place that you're uh, visiting and those in the like national park beach cleanup. I'm sure nobody participating in that beach cleanup lived around there. It was all people who were visiting and to have a hand, I guess, you know, it might've just been the fact that I was delirious by the end of it, but lugging that tire uh, up that trail really did kind of increase your appreciation for the area that you had a hand in making it better. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's why that's kind of my bit on the national parks, definitely like a very good decision. <laughs> so then yeah. uh th then we did some uh industrial revolutioning and then we did some consequences um and then at, at so by the 1970s, basically, you could not live in a city. Um, that was kind of the the era of urban decline. Everyone was moving out to the suburbs. Cities started to look like Detroit. Um, just was was very bad. It was not good, mostly because everyone put their heavy industry in the city. Heavy industry means smog. Smog means people die pretty soon. Just awful living conditions. Yeah, yeah. So... This was a bipartisan committee here. Hold on, let me uh hold on. Nat Geo is um making me sign up for their mailing list. I always I put think... mail at g I always uh say mail at gmail.com. So like some poor bastard who has mail at gmail.com is getting a ton of spam mail from websites I've signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> I wish um frankly I wish the national parks had more guidance to them i wish oh, there yeah. was less um i mean there's always there should always be an opportunity for the public to roam freely in nature but mm -hmm. i wish National you had to do something i wish you had to for. you know fill out a form or sign up for that time or anything just to prevent mm -hmm. people from you know unaccountably littering and doing horrible things yeah so i've been to like a few national parks this year um 
The thing that I always kind of struck with is national forests are very much a, like a like a resource tile, like that. The national forest service is required to uh, contract um, national forest land out for uh, timber companies because that's part of its deal. Um, but national parks are very much like an untouched area. You can go camping on a uh, national forest anywhere you want. You you can cut down a tree if you ask a ranger and they say sure. Um, but national parks, you're really not supposed to hike off trail. You're really not supposed to be there overnight unless you have a permit. Um, but like that's kind of the untouched aspect. If you want to go off trail, there's definitely places for that. But national parks, I guess, like at this point, they're deemed so ecologically valuable that really just no you really shouldn't be off trail yeah and um i think the problem with that is people with enough dedication always find their way off trail and always you know just happen to end up getting lost and needing to call people and getting a helicopter out there which i don't know but yeah there's just so many horrible people it's more of a problem with who they're letting in than um yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this article that I'm getting this from, it's the National Geographic, um, about the Clean Air Act. It's very much like a, um, look what we can do if we work together as Republicans and Democrats shit back from, like, 2020. Um, but, like, it's still, like, kind of useful, but I was mostly just using it for data. So the Clean Air Act was in 1970. That's when pretty much cities were unlivable. And it has actually reduced air pollution in the U.S. by 70%, even adjusting for economic growth. Um, yeah, so it really would just limit sulfur dioxide fumes. It required factories and power plants to have scrubbers. So basically, when you see a smokestack, the only thing that's really being emitted is carbon dioxide and water vapor. Um, really you're not getting sulfur dioxide uh, what else is there environmental science boy um there's a few other things but sulfur dioxide and um maybe a little bit of carbon monoxide depending on if uh most complete combustion only releases a few things but if it's incomplete combustion it can release a lot more although mm -hmm. um you know, like, there's so many regulations that, like, every car sold as a catalytic converter on it. Stuff like yeah, carbon, yeah. um, was it, not carbon monoxide, but there's a few other gases that are only made from incomplete combustion that we just don't really deal with anymore, just in the modern day. In a Victorian, like, era smokestack, you might find a little more nasty stuff, but <laughs> the big find, issue like... with, um... The big issue with what comes out of smokestacks when it comes out of the exhaust pipe on your car is that it is not air. It is not air. Yeah. But it binds much easier than air to your lungs. So quickly your lungs get filled with not air instead of air, but your body needs air, not not air. And it doesn't like it. Cool. So the other the other one um, that I think is really important is the Clean Water Act. That one was two years later, 1970, um, when the Cuyahoga River like kind of caught on fire, and like no one could really do anything about it. Uh, that's when they figured it was probably time to do something. And the goal of the law was to make all waterways in the U.S. fishable and drinkable, and they did it for the most part. Um, you can. 
more or less swim in and fish in, but probably not eat, uh, out of every waterway in the U.S. I was uh, kayaking in the Chicago River yesterday, and you know, um, it's not not like the cleanest thing ever, but like you can do it. Actually, the Cook County Department of Public Health said that you can has one fish per month out of the Chicago River without getting sick. That's which I mean, which is which is really funny. It's like, oh boy, I I love to have my one Chicago River fish per month. You are allowed one. Yeah, they um one fish. I I loved uh so Chicago like you know we're super cool. We have the whole Greater Chicago Metropolitan Water District, which is one of like the engineering marvels of the modern world. That shit's so cool. Uh, that can be a whole episode, by the way, and I kind of want it to be. Um, but anyway, Chicago has a uh, mixed storm drain and sewage system. So, you know, storm runoff goes into the sewer, which is fine as long as it's treated. But in, like, insane deluges, what they'll usually do is they'll just dump all that shit into the river, which they do so that the sewage plants don't get overwhelmed. Now, those outlets, we were kayaking right past... So it's super cool to go past like this hole that you could walk through and, and, and just there's a sign next to it that says this will discharge raw sewage during a storm. So like, you know, keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm just right next to it. And of course, like there's not a cloud in the sky, but it's like a <laughs> tsunami coming out. <laughs> um, yeah. So Clean Water Act did its job. It was almost like by 2006 it was deemed like complete um it was about 2.3 billion dollars of local economic activity saved and yeah that that one was kind of the last of the golden age of american democracy as i like to call it (laughs) because that was the that was very much like the last bipartisan act that was made for the common good, not just because of political shit. Yeah, and... I don't know if you would like... The unfortunate reality of a lot of the uh, ecological acts is that most of the time it's done for political motive and not actually just out of the good of the government's heart. Like, let's be honest here. This is Joe Biden's attempt to get the Democrats more in the midterms. Well, yeah, it was always going to be right in the midterms, and what I never understood, uh, you know, we'll get we'll get there soon, like almost there at the at the Inflation Reduction Act, is like, I I don't even know what it like, I don't even know how it happened. It was just like a headline one day. It said, Joe Manchin reconsiders environmental stance, and then two weeks later it passed. Like I don't know, I don't know who like held what gun up to Joe Manchin and said do this. So something something's up with that because that did not seem right. Joe Manchin is I don't know he's just yeah, beyond it, it logic didn't seem and right reason. for him to like eleventh hour one eighty a basically Republican into the shit. Anyway, he's more was. Republican than most Republicans, and is yeah, you know he still got that Democrat ticker. So. I, th- I think that you can have a lot to say on this. The Endangered Species Act. Yeah. Um, the Endangered <laughs> Species Act is a really good act because it actually, um, you know, it makes killing endangered species a felony, obviously. But 
I think I think all roads will be back to accountability. Um, oh yeah. I also think that, uh, you know, it, it makes it a crime. It's a very tough to enforce crime, but it is one. It certainly shows that they're trying to do something. I just wish yeah, it's um like there was that. I wish it was more targeted, was that... if anything. I think that like it's almost more targeted on the local level because there was that family, like that, like that guy or something, last year who like killed like six gray wolves in northern california or something and that was like six gray wolves in northern california is basically the equivalent of like a decade of breeding efforts um and like everyone wanted this guy's head on a stake like that entire town like that that guy is so hated now it's like i wonder if that's almost the more effective thing for it yeah i mean I think, you know, being vilified obviously stops people from killing endangered species, but uh, also, um, I think people ought to address the sources more. I think people ought to address, uh, you know, what are the most likely ways for people to get into areas where there are endangered species and, you know, shoot them. And one of them yeah, is trophy yeah. hunting. That's a very, you know, big issue to address, especially trophy hunting in areas outside of the U.S., you know, more cooperative efforts are needed. And then the other one is just people that are uneducated. I mean, yeah, a gray wolf I mean, and a regular wolf look pretty similar. Yeah, I, I guess. But, like, there definitely are numbers to back this up. So, like, 99% of the species under the Endangered Species Act protection haven't gone extinct. Um millions of acres of habitat which is federally protected it's like almost twice the size of california it looks like is protected land uh under that act and it, it's definitely something of popular and it, it is probably like the strongest endangered species act in the world like i don't, doesn't look like anything really comes close which you don't get me wrong best, it's <laughs> it's monumental i'm just yeah. very critical oh, of this absolutely. kind of stuff oh yeah i understand definitely you had a you had a fun summer my my summer was basically spent telling people, no, I, I, you can't do that to your bike. You know what a dropper post is? A drop-in post? Like a, dropper seat, a dropper post on a mountain bike? Oh, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, so I spent a good half hour on the phone last Saturday uh, trying to tell this woman that you cannot cut a dropper post. <laughs> you can't. You can't cut it. You can cut a regular seat post. You, you can't cut a dropper post. She's like, but why not? What if I brought it to you? I'm like, lady, if you bring it to me, I will gladly cut it, but you will not get any refunds. Yeah. Like, I, I love to, like, for those of you who don't know, it's basically, like, oh, I'm trying to think of, like, a car equivalent. It's, no, you can't cut your engine in half uh, to save weight on the car. Like yeah, you could. I guess you could only use half the engine. That's just not how it works. That was that was, and I didn't convince her by the end of it. She said she was going to go to another shop. I that's like, <laughs> that's the biking equivalent of just making, um, a wire with two male connectors on either end. Like no one's going to do that for you. That you're you're just going to kill yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, I love the death cables. I I have some death cables actually. You should have one in you a ever, frame. Um, 
I should have like an eight with like a tally mark under it. It's like how many people have died on this cord. Yeah. But like, no, no, you can actually use a death cord. You can plug it in and you can plug it into a power strip and it'll power the power strip. Hmm. And then you'll have a death cable on the end where you're supposed to plug the power strip into the wall. And then the real fun, the real fun comes in if you take a death cable and plug it in on both ends. Hmm? Oh yeah! Oh my god! N- n- nothing, nothing would happen. <laughs> <laughs> you're just connect, you're just connecting it in parallel. It's not, that's fine. You can do that. That's probably the safest use for it. It's safest in the wall. Um. Anyway. Obama. We'll talk about Obama. Obama. Alright, yeah, yeah. So, Obama... (laughs) You know, he had a Democratic supermajority in the Senate and in the House of Representatives, and he still wanted to compromise, and that is probably, like, an unforgivable sin in my book. Like, he could have done literally anything he wanted. No, he wanted he wanted to compromise, and then you know they ate shit in the midterms in twenty ten. Anyway, yeah, the first term was essentially lost territory. <laughs> uh, that's according to uh, some dude at UC Berkeley. But that that was a good citation. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah. so yeah, this is a, this is a very old article. It's like in twenty sixteen. Um, yeah, so. Obama was mostly working on stopping fossil fuel lobbying. Uh, he didn't want to stop the Keystone XL pipeline. He could have stopped it early, but he didn't really want to. So he said in his kind in his, uh, I hate how presidents will like announce policy in like graduation speeches. Yeah, like, it's weird how that's a thing. So he said he was at Georgetown in like twenty seven. Like twenty, uh, what, fourteen? I think. Said we will respond to the threat of climate change, knowing that the failure to do so would betray our children and future generations. Fair enough. So he was kind of talking about moving on the EPA to truck emissions, um, methane leaks in the oil and gas industry, which is a huge problem, by the way. Um, efficiency in home appliances. Establishing twenty-three national monuments. Cool. And kind of the whole marine monument in Hawaii, so that's an ocean reserve that's twice the size of Texas, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so he was kind of, he didn't really have a big act, it was more so in the bureaucracy to like make EPA regulations, make appliance regulations, just kind of little shit that no one's really paying attention to. But the Clean Power Act, uh, which, you know, didn't really do a whole lot but it was going to cut carbon pollution from carbon plants from sorry from power plants 30 percent from two and 2005 levels which mostly happened on its own yeah i think um i wish that some of those um what is it some of those deadlines and especially like acts that strive for a consistent um reduction over time actually you know did something yeah. It's sort of like raising the minimum wage, but not raising it additionally to combat inflation. It's like, yeah, I mean, it looks like you did something and you did, but ultimately, if you tally the numbers up, that doesn't really do anything for anyone. Yeah. So, 
I think then we should get to the inf- to the Inflation Reduction Act, which is insane, by the way. Like, you know, I, I know I really am incapable of showing emotion on shit like this, but definitely this is pretty goddamn significant. So the first big thing that it did was creating $5.8 billion to invest in clean energy projects. So in th- it, like mostly investing in clean energy projects in things that are hard to control otherwise. So steel mills, cement and chemical production, which is huge, uh, $1.5 billion to plug abandoned coal and oil mines, so all those passive methane leaks we were talking about. So the penalty for emissions in excess of 25,000 tons of CO2 is $900 per ton and incrementally increases to $1,200 per ton and then it just keeps going up through there, which is insane, by the way. That the kind of sort of a carbon tax. <laughs> so yeah, it it, it 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 the the asterisk is that it's in upstream oil and gas activities, so it's not on everything, but it's definitely on a big part of it. Um, clean hydrogen. So clean hydrogen is one of those things that kind of grinds my gears because it's basically just kind of a last-ditch effort for uh, personal automobiles, which really can't stay. I know that, you know, if you live in the boonies or in the middle of nowhere, but I'd wager that 75% of people in America do not need a car. Yeah. Given a robust given a robust public transportation network and micro-mobility, 75% of Americans do not need a car. 25% probably does, and that's, that's okay. A 75% reduction in car traffic would make me sleep at night. Yeah, I think um a lot of people, statistically speaking, most travel is from an urban area to another place inside that urban area. Public transport is perfect for that. A lot of people moving in a set direction from point A to point be at a routine time each day. Urban to rural also works pretty well, and rural to urban also works pretty well just because, you know... Like Chicago, we have plenty of lines that go all the way out to, you know, Naperville and, like, Kenosha and insane far-off places. It's definitely a good way to get around. Rural to rural is arguably the only place that needs cars because yeah, everything is... It's not, you're not moving with anyone. Yeah. The only thing is, that's, you know, very, very, very few people compared to the other three types of transport combined. Have you ever seen a hydrogen gas station? I've, um, I've seen it. I've never actually gone, like, to it. Like, I've been at the gas station, and I've seen one just there, chilling. Really? Where? California. Yeah, I was gonna say, the only place I've ever seen them is in California. Um, Yeah. Because they have a lot of uh, fleet vehicles that use hydrogen, so a lot of buses will use them. Um, and they'll have, like, private fill-out stations. So, the IRA will have a base credit tax of $0.60 cents per kilogram of hydrogen. So, but only if the carbon intensity is less than half of carbon dioxide. Which is cool. It's not bad. Yeah, so it, it you basically are getting a tax credit for driving something that's half as efficient as a car. Well, twice as efficient as a car. <laughs> um... Goodness, there's a lot of shit in this act, holy moly. Um, but its its main thing that it does is 
climate mitigation. So it's kind of making it easier for people to get help in climate disasters. Like, I don't know if you've been keeping up with everything that's been happening in eastern Kentucky. That is monstrous, by the way. Check out, uh, the Trillbillies, check out the uh, Trillbillies Workers' Party podcast. They're two... There, there's two guys in Eastern Kentucky who have a podcast that is insanely much larger than anything I could hope to achieve. There's some amazing people. Um, they live in Eastern Kentucky, and they've had to deal with all the flooding there that really hasn't been reported on. But it's just disastrous, and FEMA's not doing anything. FEMA is like probably the most useless federal agency. It feels like every time a natural disaster happens... It just... It's always like, yeah. Like every news outlet is like, FEMA sure dropped the ball on this one. They, they've never not dropped the ball, and I'm I'm sure there's there's wonderful people who work for FEMA, and I'm sure that the problem is they don't get enough funding, which sucks. It's all they but they were saying a lot how, remember Ronald Reagan campaigned on uh well if you don't remember I guess we've read in a push that. The the the, mo- the scariest thing an American could hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Yeah, I love yeah, when that, um, I love and, when and, people and in the government dis- are self aware like the, that. Yeah, and then he uh, dismantles the social welfare agency. Well, well, no, not for FEMA, Ronald Reagan, only for you. <laughs> it's sort <laughs> of like um, me and say I'm here to help you. Then I'm scared. It's sort of like Eisenhower were warning about the military industrial complex after. In eight after eight years of right. you know you supporting and helping the military in industrial world complex, <laughs> you were a general in World War Two. I do not want to hear about it. I love when ah. I love that period of history where the people like you could just find a name of a high-ranking general or colonel or admiral from whatever war happened ten years before that term, and what do you know, like. Just reading a history book and seeing General Ulysses' name and being like, oh, I guess people liked people who were good at conquest. It's just such a hilarious part of history to me. Alright, so let's get to the numbers. Uh, You know, also in the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a lot of child tax credits for families, a lot of... um solar incentives for private homes a lot of state level stuff like that but let's get the numbers here so the highest um that u.s emissions were ever was in 2005 at 6.6 billion tons right now we are at about 5.6 billion tons for 2021 so if we didn't do anything about climate change we would be relatively steady going down but we would level out about 2025 and stay constant at about 5 billion tons uh, the current policy before the inflation reduction act would have us go only to about 5.5 sorry about 4.7 billion tons hmm. uh, sorry 4.8 um, if we were to do a net zero pathway so like you know go nuts we would end up at about 2 which would put us about two, yeah, two, which would get us at the 50% target. Um, what we are at now is with the Inflation Reduction Act is we will meet, sorry, we will go slightly over the uh, 50% below 2005 levels by 2030. 
by about 2032. So a lot of the effects of the IRA won't be seen for another few years, but it's just getting the ball rolling on that, which I think is the most important. I I think that, I, I'd like to think at least, that, that Joe Biden's term and what history will remember him as, as the guy who got the ball rolling. He didn't do anything insane. He didn't do anything monumental, but what he did do is get the country back in the right direction after at this point probably 40 years of just being rudderless which i think is probably the most important thing he could have done yeah there are so many there are so many candidates that could have done what biden did and maybe a little more i think immediately to you know what if carter got another term what if al gore had those you know some thousand extra votes but (sighs) someone has to do it if it's yeah. the moderate that's super old and will probably turn to dust by next election cycle, so be it. Then, then, then that, that's what happens. Um, you know what? You know what? You know what, Joe? You, you got it done. I, I will give you that. Hopefully you get to do a little more before you keel over, and hopefully you do not run again. Nobody wants you to run again. Do you hear me? You swear to God, if the Democratic Party pushes someone old, they're just asking for Trump 2024. Oh my God. Like, like that sucks so hard. Um, they're going to, what if they push Hillary again? Oh my God. They want to, dude, they want to. If you do not, if you do not keep nipping the Democrats on their heels for this one, they will try to run Hillary again. And I will, I I will, I will move to the moon if the, if, if Hillary runs again. You heard it here, everyone. Calfire Crackpots will be the first podcast on a different on planetary moon. body that Hillary be, gets elected in twenty four. I'm gonna be like fucking vector on the moon with like a fishbowl over my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's about it. Um, not super formal or anything. Just kind of, just kind of trying to make sense of this all a couple weeks after the fact. I guess expect this format a little bit from Calfire Crackpots. I'd like to do stuff a bit more well-researched, but certainly depending on time and certainly depending on our will after senioritis kicks in. But we will see. Hopefully we can get more episodes out. Yeah. Hopefully. All right, do you have anything else to say? Um, Not really. Shout out to Biden for finally doing something. You know what? You know what? You know, my, my shout out this week goes to Joe Manchin. You're okay. Okay, great. You did. You you did after after seven decades or however old you are of being like the most rancid human being. Um, you did something good. Certainly doesn't redeem everything that you did, but I will have to give you this one, Joey. Don't call him Joey. He's not your friend. I uh, yeah, he's not my friend. That's why I'm patronizing him. Good. Oh, sure. the, the 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 you know who from the drop-in center that lady the rant was slightly different the next period <laughs> which is good keeping it fresh anyway um yeah that's it this is on your back the point of contention is how they act where you draw the line will set you free don't obey so